So I just had one of the best episodes I've had in a while. And, and I always think that until I have the next one. But we are in for a supreme treat today. Tiffany Alicia, who is the budgetista, a friend I grew up with, a friend I went to high school with. She's got just the best story. And this story is really going to resonate you right now because we're going through a time when a lot of people are going to have a lot of forced changes that they're not prepared for. Tiffany's been there. She's gone through it. She's got the best advice for you to really get out from what you're doing. And she's America's favorite personal financial educator and through her living richer movement, she's helped over 1 million women save, manage, and pay off millions of dollars. She's a former preschool teacher for 10 years with a master's degree in education and Tiffany was instrumental in getting the Budgetista Law A1414 passed in January of 2019, making financial education mandatory for middle school students in New Jersey. Just an incredible person, a great guest, and you're going to be really into what you see here. Well, hello, Tiffany. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, Jason. How are you? Good. So talked a little bit off track, but on this point, Tiffany and I haven't seen each other in about 25 years. Yes. However, we grew up together and here we are getting back together in, in the midst of uh, being able to chat during COVID. So this will be out in a few weeks. Hopefully things have dissolved, but right now there's still going to be a lot of lessons that, that have been learned and this will be something for generations that people look back on and, and have to really talk with. Tiffany has this unique experience to really just come from so many different sides, from really just growth, really just find the best in situations, growing and in financial independence, and she's helped so many others. And I thought one of the best questions really to lead in here is, you've done so much with your life and to help others. For, for people that are out there that are, that are really in a deep, dark spot right now or just lost, what would be some steps they could take today to get themselves on the right track? So first I want to say that I, that I, I distinctly remember the last recession because I lost everything, you know, like I was actually a school teacher for 10 years. And I, I thought at the time that teachers didn't lose their jobs because it was, I mean, you need a teacher, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it was a nonprofit based school and they lost their funding because the corporations that were supporting us no longer had it. And so um, it was the summertime, three days before the new school year, it was a total surprise. And so all of a sudden, no school. I, I was 29 at the time, and I just bought a condo uh, like uh, a couple years before. So now I, I, and then I just finished my master's a couple years before. So now I've got like this graduate degree that I have to pay for and pay off in student loans. I have this new home, and I have no income. And I remember just being like totally uh, freaked out. I ended up um, pulling all the money out of my 401k, which I do not recommend, trying to save the home only to lose it anyway. So it was like compounding. I, I, I mean, I just can't even express how it was like, I literally have nothing. I had like, I think I had a 99 Toyota Camry that I had that, that didn't, I didn't owe anything on. That was like the only worldly possession um, that I had. And I just remember being so overwhelmed because I wasn't 21. You know, I was 29 going on 30 and 30 is like, you know, I feel like official adulthood and I did not feel like an adult. I ended up moving back home with my parents right before my 30th birthday and moving into my middle school bedroom thinking like, wow, and feeling like it's going to always be like this, you know, because as a teacher, if you don't have your job in September, I mean, there might be a handful of teachers that might get pregnant or, or might leave, but for the most part, they have their teachers. They can't start, you know, the the school year without teachers. So, and so many teachers now are, you know, they're not sure or they're unsure about what their position is going to be moving forward. And so I felt like I didn't know, 
I felt like I didn't know how to do much else. I'd gone to school for business, but I'd never really worked other than some internships. And I just wasn't sure, like, what do I do with my life now? Yeah. I'm 30 years old. I moved back home. I have no money. I actually have less money at 30 than I did at 16. I always worked. Like, I always had, like, a summer job, and I was a really good saver. And so I, at 16, I probably had maybe, like, $2,500 saved. I did not have $2,500 at 30. And it was a dark time, and it was a scary time. But the first step for me that really helped was I had to forgive myself because I was, I felt like my financial misfortunes were like um, a testament to my character. You know, mm. you tell yourself, like, you look at yourself in the mirror, you're like, what are you doing? You're, you know, you're, you're a loser. What do you, you know? And so I was beating myself up and it's just not helpful. You know, that making financial mistakes is not, it's not a testament to your character. They're mistakes. And unless you went to school, specifically for finance very few of us had like financial upbringing like a, an upbringing where we learned about finance even though i did my father was a cfo and i learned about finances at home and i still made those mistakes and it still didn't make me a bad person it made me a person that had made some choices and what it also made me is a person that can make new choices so once i kind of forgave myself and told myself i wasn't allowed to beat up on myself anymore then I started putting one foot in front of the other. And the first things first, if you always have to position yourself to be living less than what you make. It's easy to say, we all say that, living below your means, but hardly anyone does it, not Americans anyway. We yeah. all live above our means. It's critical, especially now. I don't know where we are. We don't know for yet. For, I mean, it's looking like a recession, but you know, it has to be six months months of um, consistent economic downturn before they can officially call it a recession. So I don't know what it's going to be, but it doesn't look good. You, you can't have people out of work for a significant amount of time and it not affect the economy, no matter what stimulus package they put out there. Mm -hmm. So it's my estimation that even if it's not a full recession, there's going to be some sort of ramifications for what's happening now. And it's now more important than ever to live below your needs, to stack up on your savings. You should be saving as if like it's a second job um, to position yourself for if there's any blowback in case you lose your job, in case your income is reduced. Um, you want to have at this point, moment in time, I, usually I say three to six months and I'm telling people now, no, six months because mm -hmm. I don't know what the coming months look like ahead. Um, if you really want to, to be super on the safe side, I say a year, you know, if you're able, I have a year's worth of, of, um, of cash uh, saved just because I, I work for myself. So for me, I need more um, because I just don't know, you know, I don't know what the future holds. So living below your means, saving like crazy, even if it means, and I'm someone who does not like that. I own two properties. Both of them are mortgage-free, the house I live in and an investment property that my husband and I own. We both have a car, a piece. They're, those are totally paid off. So I'm 100% debt-free. Um, so, but even I'm saying this, that if I had debt now and I didn't have at least six months worth of savings, I honestly would reduce my debt payments. Meaning that if you have a credit card debt and the minimum is 30 bucks a month and, um, and you're paying 200 cause you're trying to pay it down. I don't know that I put 200 toward it. I, maybe I would, I would reduce it down to 50 until I can get up to my six months worth of savings because having savings that you can live off of for you, your family, your kids, um, versus having, being like closer to debt freedom, that debt freedom is always a good thing. But right now I feel like we have to be more practical and being debt free, but not having enough money to pay your mortgage or your rent or for food. 
doesn't really make sense, you know? And yeah, so, and the stress right there of not having that too, comp- exactly. compiled going around you is just overwhelming. So I would like, if you have your, if you have six months worth of, of expenses saved, then absolutely continue to pay down your debt in your normal fashion. I'm not saying don't pay down debt. I'm saying not to be as aggressive right now. Normally I'm aggressive. I aggressively pay down debt, whether that's good or bad, but not in this, um, not in this circumstance that we're in right now, if you don't have that, that um, savings. And also too, if you're someone, you're like, I've got my six months, I've got a pretty solid job. Um, I'll be preparing to invest. There are going to be investment opportunities like no other. I was not prepared in 2009 uh, because I was losing my job, but I am prepared now. And so preparing to invest looks like, look like a few things. One, educating yourself. Do you have a financial planner leaning into them? I know right now they're all stressed, but this is what you know they signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, but also two, strengthening your cash position. So like I said, my husband and I, the house I live, we live in now, it was a foreclosure when we purchased it. So we got it for 180 um, and it's, I would say, conservatively priced at about 390000 400000 That's what I just called my realtor a couple of days ago to ask her. And so I was asking my husband, do you think we should pull out equity? If we can get an interest rate that is closer to 3%, because right now, and last time I checked was like 3.7. So not quite good enough for me anyway. But if we can get an interest rate close to 3% or at three or even less, you know, we'll see what the recession brings. Can we pull out maybe $100,000, maybe even 200000 And because the thinking is, is that I can pay 3% on this money and I know I can make more than 3% in the market, or even if I just put it into like, you know, my, you know, like an investment account that's, that's reasonably invested. It doesn't have to be like invested in any sort of risky um, return, you know, so, or risky vehicle, even if I just put it in the market reasonably so where I'm like super conservative, I know that my return is going to be more than 3%. Um, unless something barring something crazy happening. So even that we're considering because $200,000 might be $500,000 in five yeah. years. And that's your smart arbitrage right there to be able to use that, right? So I do that with Infinite Banking with our life insurance program. So pull money out and really the interest to pay it back on that point to to loan against it, then I can invest it and of course make better on the returns of what we're doing. So of course you want to look at your investment option, but you're absolutely right. This is going to be a unique opportunity because there's going to be cash influx that's needed across. There's businesses that are going to need help that you can go in there and be an operator. There's going to be uh, real estate's going to find some way. There's going to be a ton of the loan requirements that have just changed that are going to make it interesting where cash is definitely going to be king, having to bring together reserves and having really the balance sheet for it. So you're absolutely right. Now, when when someone's looking at right now and they feel like they're drowning, Mm -hmm. what what are some things from the expense side that are usually red flags that maybe people aren't thinking about that they need to cut off today? So I I call it my noodle budget. So back in the day, like in college, almost everybody had to eat ramen noodles at some point. Right. And so your noodle budget is your bare bones budget. Like if you were a college student and didn't have money for the bells and whistles. So, you know, you had to learn to cut your own hair. You had to cut off your cable, whatever that looks like. I know what my noodle budget is. So let's just say your, your monthly budget is $10,000 a month. That's how much your expenses cost for you and your family. And, but you look at, if you were to cut out anything that's not a necessity, you really could get your budget down to $7,000 a month, let's just say. So then 7000 would be your noodle budget. That's your life without the, the bells and whistles. So, mm-hmm. you know, anything that's not, um, like I said, I, I even call it, I mean, we make plenty, my husband and I, but I was like, you know what, do we really, are we really watching cable? That's yeah. an extra $100. You mm-hmm. know, like imagine $100 over the next six months, that's $600. I could even just like 
use six hundred dollars on my on my on my Robinhood app and maybe turn six hundred into six fifty seven hundred with for cable that I'm not watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so dropping down and, and getting your to your noodle budget or close to it, depending on on where you are, it's a temporary. Your noodle budget is not someplace um, that you want to stay. You know, unless you have to, but it's definitely something that you should always know about. These are the non-essential items. Like I said, cable, uh, grooming, um, entertainment, eating out. Um, what, how, what can you do as far as like grocery shopping? Because oftentimes we, you know, like I know my husband and I, we're always overbuying. But if I really wanted to cut down my groceries, I could. Are you encouraging the kids to keep the lights off? Like one of the things my dad used to do is that he would put the electric bill on the table from the current month and the month before. And if it went down, um, he would put money in our vacation jar. So that's Mm -hmm. the way. And that's a kid. I really believe like, you know, those $10 was going to take us on vacation. But it's not about that. It's really about like for your kids to to be partners. Exactly. So that's just like a great way to get your kids to partner in, in saving money around the house. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like, I'm trying to think like what other ways that we've been like cutting back. Um, Like I really asking yourself, like, is this something I, I need in order to move in in order to, for my my family and I to be healthy, happy, whole. And many things that you look at, you're like, do I really need to buy clothes every, every week? Or do I really need that cocktail every you know, like stopping drinking is going to save a lot of people. I don't drink, but it's going to save a lot of people a lot of money if you, alcohol is really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, people can't eat out as much, but are you really like, um, so your subscriptions, for example, like right now, can you pause your, your, um, your, your like um, magazine subscriptions or, or cancel them all together? We're not allowed to go to the gym right now anyway. Mm-hmm. Can you cancel that one or, or pause it? Um, also, if you're really struggling, almost everyone has something. I had my youngest sister. She, I told her, she was like, ah, she just started a new job and she doesn't get her paycheck for a little while. And I told her, call every single one of your service providers and say, hey, I, my income has been negatively affected by the current times. And yeah. every single one of them had something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have like, it, there's a break for two months. Sometimes it's no interest. Like even now with you, you have federal student loans. They're giving you 60 days not to pay your, your, um, your student loans and 60 days of um, interest free. And they're not putting the interest back on the back end, which yeah. is awesome. And even if you have private student loans with Sally Mae or Freddie Mac, they're doing the same. And if you have a mortgage with um, like Sally Mae or, or Freddie Mac, they, they have a program for that. So there are programs that are set in place. If you're like, I, don't, I can't even forget the noodle budget. I can't even afford my, my regular life expenses. Call and ask for help. Don't just yeah. stop paying. Call and and you know, and when you look at that, it, that's being financially prepared because people may be saying, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to look in need. But no, you're being financially prepared. Right now, you're going to have a couple of weeks of you don't know. You're going to get a $1,200 check maybe, or if you cross the, the income threshold, not get that check. But that check, how far is it going to take you if you don't know when you're going back to work, right? So yes. is that going to help you for just cover groceries and rent? And then you're just back in that same position of no income for the next four or five weeks. And it's, and even like the alcohol thing, I mean, most restaurants make their money on alcohol. So that's much money you're spending you're spending on what they make the most money on so if you cut that back and the the thing about the subscriptions what i always think about these little apps that you sign up for that you're like yeah i'll just do this and within two weeks it starts charging seven nine you just don't pay attention you probably have three five seven of them you're paying 30 50 dollars a month and if you're not using them turn them off and then that's money you can put in the you know you could invest and so 
definitely a, a lesson learned there is that there's always ways, right? Like the cable was the same thing when we, we were looking at like, my wife and I don't even watch TV. It's always the kids. We were like, so why do we even have this? We got Apple TV and the Disney channel and they're, they're as happy as, you know, the happy yes. they're loving life. <laughs> it's like 10 bucks. It's like, you know, it's like, that's all they want. We don't even put the TV on. Yeah. So there's always spots you can go in there. And, you know, with these things that seem I mean, this is so obvious. We, we pass them over a lot, but it's never really been ingrained in this. And you, you worked in this bill, really just creating a law to help with financial education. What, what is some things that you, you feel or see could really benefit just young kids in the future? Like your dad had this great thing, you know, he puts the electric bill on there. Every kid gets that. Like, and, it, and it's got this reward base to it at the end too. Like, Hey, you know, potentially we're going to go on vacation, whether or not it has to do with it, at least gives us that thought yeah. track. How else can we work with our kids if it's not school that's going to do it? And hopefully it will eventually. But if they're parents at home, what are some lessons you can do to, to help get your kids ahead of it so they, they have a better footing when they are getting out of school to have a better grasp on what they do or even why they're in school? No, absolutely. So you're right. I, I worked on this law called the Budget Nista Law, A1414, and it was passed January 2019 to make financial education mandatory for middle school students because New Jersey, the state where we live, already had a law in place for high school, which is great. We're one of the first states. And we're actually working on the second part of A1414 to get elementary schools to hmm. teach financial education because I so I taught preschool for 10 years. And one thing I know is that age at, at around age three, sometimes even youngest two, but typically at, a, at the, rate, the age of three and four, kids start saying, mom, dad, auntie, uncle, grandma, grandpa, can you buy me? Not just can I have. And so because people will say, oh, they're too young. I'm like, no, John just said, can you buy me? That means he's made the connection that you have spent money to get this thing. And so it is your opportunity now to make sure it's the right connection. So for kids who are really little, one of the best ways is through story. So I actually wrote my very first uh, children's book and it's a financial literacy children's book uh, called Happy Birthday, Molly Moore. It's M-A-L-I, Moore, M-O-R-E. And so because I, I understood that parents with little ones didn't know how do I teach financial education in the way that's age appropriate, children ages three to seven that the book is for it they relate specifically to story because they can it's it's nice for them to see themselves outside themselves so the mouse in the story well molly's a little girl but molly in the story is learning um the difference between stuff and what means more what's what means more stuff your birthday presents or your family and friends and so you can they can project that energy onto her and you can teach lessons like well molly didn't have as many friends why is that even yeah. at the back of the book, um, I wrote like a, I included like lessons and questions you can use to extend the lesson. So stories for really little ones. And so if you have elementary school age children, they really are kinesthetic learners. So that's learners who move while they're learning. You know, if you have a child like within the age of who's in elementary school, you know, they're, they are busy, busy. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I used to do uh, when I was teaching is we would create something called a savings box. And um, because you want to start introducing the correct words for your child and so the savings box and you can call it like their savings account at home it's just a shoe box or or coffee can and it's really nice because you can get magazines and they can use age-appropriate scissors to cut out pictures of things they want to save for mm -hmm. and they stick it on the side of the box and so every time they get money from grandma birthday christmas whatever you're reminding them that some money has to always go 
into your savings box, your savings account. So you're teaching them that like I receive money, I get to keep some, but I also have to save some. Mm -hmm. And so that's for the really, really little ones. Another fun thing to do too, because I believe that charity and giving and service is also a financial education lesson. And that, so uh, we used to do a penny drive with the kids. And so, because pennies are something super easy because a lot of the parents where I worked were struggling financially and they weren't going to give their kids money to yeah. bring to school, but pennies are literally things you might find outside. So they would bring pennies into school. I got one of those big water bottles. Um, you know, the kind that like, uh, that like well, office you know, cooler. Yes. Uh -huh. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we would throw the pennies in there. Every time they brought pennies, they, they were so excited to throw the pennies in there because one it's kinesthetic learning. They get to hear the penny clank. And then once a week we would dump it out and count the pennies. So that's a counting exercise. And then we would talk about how much money was in there and what did things cost and how we can use this money to serve other people. So I might say, we can help somebody who's hungry. Well, how much does it cost for a hamburger? Oh, it's a dollar, Miss Tiffany. I saw it at McDonald's. Okay. So now they know once we get to a dollar, we have enough to give somebody who's hungry a hamburger. You know, so it was linking that. So of course I would, I would take the pennies, cash them in, and I would just, you know, I would give it to like a homeless shelter. Not that we were giving somebody an actual hamburger, but I wanted them to understand the connection because they were so young. So that's for like elementary school students. And then when you get kids who are a little bit older, so teens, so I have a, um, a bonus daughter, my, my stepdaughter, she's 13. And so she has a three part, she still has a piggy bank, right? So a three part piggy bank and it's savings, giving, spending. And so whenever she gets an allowance, so now when she, uh, we use this app called Chore Monster hmm. and it's totally free. And with Chore Monster, she can log in as a kid on the kids section and then I can log in as an adult. And the way it works is that I give her chores and you can either assign a dollar amount to the chore or you can assign points. That's correct. And so, so she works and so she doesn't work, she doesn't get any money. And so yeah. whenever we go out, so even ever since she was little, I would always use the correct terminology. This is important. So she was like five and saying, hey, Tiffy, like, can you buy me this? And I would say, well, what's your budget? You know? And so it would be funny to see this five-year-old as we were negotiating back and forth. Well, I have a budget of, because she knew to go to her savings box and pull out her money. And she knew that what she has set aside, that's her budget. And so using those words and also too, when you're going shopping with kids, giving them a, a set amount of money or letting them pull money from their, their little savings box, it's a great way for their, them to have autonomy because every time like my, we would go shopping when I first met my husband, she, he would just buy her dog just because she's the only child and it was like, oh, get whatever dog you want. And I'm like, is it her birthday? Like, are we just giving gifts just because? Mm -hmm. And of course she loved me, right? So <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't think that's a good lesson to teach her. So instead, she, she loved after a while saving and she loves Staples. I used to go to Staples all the time when I started my business and I would bring her. And she loved knowing I have a $5 budget because yeah. now she gets to decide whatever she wants as long as it's kid appropriate. She can get whatever within this $5. So to see her do the math, and to add it up and then to give the money to the cashier and to learn about tax. I remember a time that it was, she went over, she calculated exactly $5. And then she learned that there's, there's sales tax in New Jersey. It was like, uh, what does that mean? It was such a great lesson 
Yeah. So doing that with your children as well, you know, paying them for, for certain things around the house, allowing mm -hmm. them to use that money outside in the real world and allowing them to calculate what their budget is or what they can spend based upon the money they have available to them. Yeah. And it's so important to do it early because money's just going to move quicker. And ultimately, you know, we go back to our parents, they didn't have credit cards, some of them. So you literally, if you didn't have the money, you didn't buy it. And now you, you spend so much on credit cards before you even have the money with the precept that I'm getting. People are just going to have more ways to get in trouble. The ways yeah. things are filtered, the way things are offered to you, the way things are handled, just the, the psychology around it just like gives people more ability to buy it with the hope that you can pay it off later. So, you know, buy a mattress, you don't have to pay for it for a year, you know, buy, buy a TV, you can pay for it in three years. All these things yeah. are just get people stuck in this whole mode. And the cash is so important because either you have it or you don't. And yeah. because, and if kids don't see it and they just see it hitting a button, you know, buying Amazon, hitting that button, that's yeah. what they think is going to be life. And that's what's going to be ingrained to them. And it's going to lead them down this, this road of just really poor financial choices, which yeah. as we know, a lot of America has. So yeah. looking at this, you know, the next five years with the budget needs, as your personal financial business continues really to help other people, what, what is your, your big overarching goal for the next, you know, one year, five years, whatever you're looking at now? My big overarching goal is that financial, that we get used to, we get used to talking about money the way people talk about TV shows. Hmm, yeah. So like all sure. my friends know, like, I mean, I'm really candid. I'll, I'll share like how much I made, how much I lost, you know, what I'm doing. So, because what I'm doing is trying to train them into money is not the secret scary thing you do in the dark. Because when you do that, when you make mistakes or you're unsure, then you put yourself in jeopardy of staying in whatever mistake that you've made. And so I want money to become a normal conversation because when that happens, then all of a sudden, like my friend Mark was telling me about like, oh, um, you know, like even though the market is down right now, I'm thinking about investing. I used to actually work for the airlines and this is the airline that I like. And I was like, oh my gosh, so we started a group chat. So we could just talk about you know, like the stocks that we're interested in and, and mm -hmm. why. And, and so as a result, you know, like even though it was a down market, all of us made a little bit of money, you know, because we had this open conversation about what we were doing and how we were doing it. And so yeah. that is my big goal is that I want to make talking about money normal and I want people to help each other with a little bit of knowledge that you have. You don't have to know all the things is that... Mm -hmm. If Mark knows about stocks, but I'm really good at budgeting, and then this one knows about 401ks, and then someone else is really good at credit. And so I have a lot of great financial friends around me where I had those normal conversations, and it's what's taken me from. Because when I was uh, 10 years ago, when I was 30, my net worth was negative um, 300000 I owed the student loans, I owed credit cards, and I owed my, um, my, um, my mortgage. And wow. now I have a seven-figure net worth with no debt. Yeah. So like a true net worth, you know, right? Well, mm -hmm. net worth is um, what you own minus what you owe anyway. But, but yeah, so 10 years later, you know, yeah. and, and it was, it's really the financial basics. I know people think that they have to be like some shark in the market. I'm not, honestly, I, I will admit that I don't feel fully comfortable investing in the market. I feel like I'm still a baby learning when mm -hmm. it comes to that. But I've leaned into what I do know. I feel comfortable with real estate, at least on a smaller scale. And I feel really comfortable with business. And so, but I want to diversify the, the, the vehicles that I use in order to invest. Like, okay, a little bit more real estate. I already have five businesses. And Tiffany, I really want you to spend some time learning more about the market so you can invest there. And so, but it starts with the foundation of saving, in, um, and, um, and budgeting, 
basic paying down your debt, making sure you have strong credit. You can't build from a, a, a can't build a strong house, strong financial house with a shaky foundation. Yeah, and that's super important. And you said one thing that was so crucial right there was that you surround yourself with other like-minded people who are educated or financially savvy in that regard or whatever you want to do on that part. So, you know, if you're around negative people, get around positive people. If you're around people that, that aren't talking about money, get around people that are talking about money. If you're, uh, you want to open a business, get around people that are opening businesses. It's, you surround yourself with the people that you do what you want to do. And so much times we find ourselves around others who don't have the same maybe interest in stuff and things change. Okay, well, you have to find those people that can help lead you to your path and where you can bring value as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and if you and if you can't find them, honestly, like Facebook groups is like my jam. Like yeah. I tell people all the time that like there are there are I am part of um, entrepreneurs for women. I'm part of financial educators. I'm part of like oh. former preschool teacher. Like I I love joining Facebook groups because that are that are um, aligned with my interests. There are Facebook yeah. groups for everything, but I joined Facebook when I wanted to learn how to invest in real estate. I joined a real estate group and like just for a year, I listened, I watched, I learned. Mm-hmm. Then I reached out to people who seemed really eager to share because there's always people who are willing to share. I started like a lot of Facebook groups will meet up sometimes in person. So I started meeting up to learn even more. And then when I was ready to make a move, I had resources. So your immediate circle might not have, might not know or might not be interested. Maybe you're still hanging out with your college friends or your high school friends and they honestly don't care. And it doesn't mean they can't be your friends still, but if you're want, you can't do better unless you're around better. You are the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. So look around in your circle. That's who you're becoming or who you already are. Yeah. There's literally no excuses because you can search and get anywhere. When we analyze markets, people say, well, how do you get so fluent with the market? Why I literally go on a site, bigger pockets or another site and just connect with people in the market and just ask questions questions and they give me all the feedback and yep. you know within a week I literally know it like the back of my hand just because yep. you it's it's available without even having to go there so you can do anything you want and get around those people and it's just great points so Tiffany how can listeners learn more about you all these great things you're doing where's the best way to connect so I am the budget nista on Instagram Twitter Facebook YouTube and the budget that's awesome Tiffany thank you so much it's been no, awesome you're welcome. thank you All right. Bye now. Bye.